Uh, you know, there are, there are some things in life that are true of all of us, no matter how different we might be from one another. You know, there's just some things that we all have in common that are just absolutely true of each and every one of us. Uh, one of those things is that from time to time, we all need advice. You know, we need advice given to us from someone who's a little farther down the road, you know, a little bit more experienced, someone who has some insight that, to offer that, that we need and maybe are lacking in. Uh, we all need that from time to time, right? What, with that, though, the other thing that's true of all of us about that is that no one appreciates an arrogant advice giver, you know? No one, no one benefits, really, from someone who approaches the advice given kind of like, well, wouldn't it be nice if you were just more like me? You know, no one gets excited about that. Uh, no, one, no one appreciates someone who comes at them giving them advice in the sense of, uh, you know, you'd be a whole lot better off if you were just the way I am. You know, I've got this thing figured out. I've got it down. You come to me for life advice because I am the life coach. You know, no, one, no one's going to be like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You're, you're so right. Oh, if I could just be like you are. You know, no, one, no one's going to really just grab a hold of that advice given, right? No, we're going we're gonna to tune out and we're going to check out really quick if that's the approach when we, when we go to get advice from someone. Now, if anybody, as annoying as that would be, if anybody could kind of get away with that, you know, if anybody could be justified in that kind of attitude, uh, kind of approaching people that way, it would be the Apostle Paul. Because, I mean, this guy, he had really been, been through just about everything you could imagine. At the time of his writing this letter that we're in in this series in Philippians, at the time of this writing, he's already been saved for about 30 years. And not just saved, he's been the Apostle Paul for about 30 years. And in that 30-year time... He has planted multiple churches. Take it from me, that's hard. <laughs> he has planted multiple churches. He has led countless people to Christ. He has written other letters and documents that would end up basically forming the New Testament. I mean, the bulk of it anyway. He has undergone beatings and, and persecution and rejection. I mean, he's lived. He's lived. And God has used him in, in incredible ways already up to this point. So if anybody could say, hey, you, you just follow me and you'll be all right. You just look to me because I've got it figured out. If anybody could say that, it would be him. Thankfully, though, that wasn't his approach. Thankfully, that is never how Paul went about things. And, and as we look in our passage today of Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14, which Cormie read for us. Thank you, Cormie. Appreciate that. It's kind of a, a segue in, in the writing. It's kind of a, a pause. You know, he's, he's given a lot of instruction. He's given a lot of challenge. He's given a lot of encouragement up to this point. And now, as he kind of makes his way into closing out his letter, he kind of says, you know, I know how hard it is to do this Christian life. I get it. I'm there. He doesn't really come out and say that, but that's really kind of what's behind what he says in this passage. It's like... I get where you're coming from, guys. I know how tough it is. I know how hard it is to keep going forward, to keep moving forward. And that's really why I, I titled the specific talk today, Keep Moving Forward, because that's really the theme of what Paul has to say in these verses that we'll look at. 
That's really the summary. He says, keep moving forward no matter what. Just keep moving forward. And rather than giving some condescending, you know, big, long sermon type challenge, he, he's very personal in this passage. He's, he's very open. He's very transparent. And he's very relatable. I appreciate that so much. I mean, isn't that what you appreciate when someone's giving you advice, when someone comes alongside you and, and they, they need to challenge you a little bit, they need to give you some insight? Doesn't it just swallow easier when someone says, hey... I'm not trying to just to tell you how to do everything. I'm not trying to tell you I've got it all figured out. I'm just telling you I've been there. So let me just kind of impart to you my own personal experience. I mean, that goes so much better than this is really what you need to be doing. Why can't you just be like me? You know, which you prefer? Obviously, it's the other. And that's really what Paul does here. He says, hey, I've been there. I know how tough this is to keep going forward. I understand. Let me just, let me just show you what works for me. Let me just tell you how I'm able to keep going forward, and, and, and you can benefit from my experience. And it's just in a loving, a loving way. So with that being said, with that in mind, let's look at Philippians 3, 12 through 14 together. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. And Paul says this, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. See, there it is. I'm not, I'm not telling you I've got it all figured out. Guys, I'm not telling you that I have this thing called life and this, especially this Christian life thing down. I'm not saying that. I haven't figured it all out. I haven't arrived. See his, his language there? It's, it's beautiful. It's encouraging. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But, but, here's what I do. I press on. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. What he's saying is, I'm not perfect, I haven't reached perfection, but I know that's what I'm intended to reach. I know that's what Christ saved me for. I know that's my goal. That's the end result of this whole Christian experience. It's perfection. It's Christ-likeness. So I haven't gotten there yet, but that's where I'm going. I haven't reached it, but I'm striving for it, and I'm reaching out for it. I press on to possess, possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And then he says again, please, please hear me clearly, Paul is saying. Please understand my heart. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus. And that's very important. That's key. Haven't achieved it. Haven't reached perfection. What I do, though, is I focus on this one thing. I don't focus on a lot of different things. I have one strategy in mind. I have one laser-sharp focus guiding me. Focus on this one thing. Here's what it is. So important. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Think back to last week's message if you were here. On legalism. And, and you remember Paul said all the things he used to be and all the things he used to do before Christ. I mean, he was a Pharisee, strict observance to the law. He persecuted the church. I mean, the very church he became a leader of, he persecuted almost to the point of extinction. He literally led believers away to be arrested, tried, and possibly killed. That was, I mean, that was his legacy before coming to Christ. So you better believe Paul struggled with his past. 
I mean, he was Paul the Apostle, but Paul the Apostle was still Paul the man. And, and I, I absolutely believe that the past kept coming up with Paul, and he kept having to address it, kept having to deal with it. That's why he can say this. You know, he's not saying this out of, out of, as someone who is not at all connected with the struggle of, of the past coming up. He's saying this as someone who battles the past all the time. He says, hey, I, mean, I can just see him, even as he's writing this. I can, I can see him just closing his eyes, you know, and kind of shaking his head as, as he kind of relives those things, those things he did to people and the things he said and, and all the horrible things that, that defined his life before Christ. I can just see him, you know, kind of groaning inside and just being, being in agony as he relives that. But then, then he stops and he says, but no, no, that no longer defines me. That no longer is who I am. I have been freed from that past. Now I can go forward. So he says, this one thing I do, this focus that I have is this. I forget the past, and you could insert, and what a past it was. But I forget the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead, here's what he does. I press on to reach the end of the race, the Christian life, and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. See, it's a heavenly perspective. It's knowing that, that this world and all of its experiences, good and bad, it's not my home. It's not the final chapter of my story. It's not the end destination. If you're in Christ, your end destination is heaven. If you're in Christ, the final chapter of your story, which really ironically is just the beginning, is heaven. It's Christ-likeness. It's perfection. It's an eternal experience. And Paul says, you know, I, I just, I keep my eyes on that. I focus on that. I keep that in my field of vision. And I forget all the past that's behind me. The reason Paul is able to do that, the reason that's so important for Paul to do, and the reason he's encouraging the Philippian readers and us today to have that same mindset, to have that same concept in mind, is because of a very simple principle. It's a very simple principle, very common sense truth, yet it's so hard to actually apply and be consistent in and live out. We forget it. But it's very simple. Here's the principle. That, that this is talking about, that Paul is really framing in his, his passage, in the passage that we just read. It's this, you can't really move forward while looking backward. You can't really move forward while looking backward. Now, I, I learned how true this is years ago in a, in a, in a physical way, years ago. When I, was, um, when I was a kid, I was about 10 or 11, and uh, I was invited to go to the Andersons' farm, as in Dr. Dan Anderson, you know, from ABC. Uh, his kids and I were friends. We all went to Greater Beckley here together. And they had just moved to this new farm down from ABC. Uh, they lived on campus at first. They moved down the road to this new farm, and uh, they invited me over. I was like, hey, this is cool. I mean, I didn't grow up around a farm. I had no idea what a farm was really like. And I thought, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm going to go and hang out at a farm. So I came. It was on a Saturday. And I was checking things out. I was looking at all the different animals. And I even took part in some of the chores. And it wasn't, it wasn't chores to me. It was exciting because I didn't do it a lot, right? And, and now that I think about it, I was probably suckered into doing their work for them. But, but it's okay. So uh, I was just checking out farm life. And I was up on this hill above their property. And um, I was looking around. All of a sudden, there's this, this animal 
And it, it just, it just kind of comes up the hill. And I said, you know, hello. <laughs> and just stares at me. And I'm just kind of looking at it. And then all of a sudden I hear this voice down below the hill say, Hey, hey Chris, watch out for the goat. It doesn't like people. Okay. Turn around. The goat. Yeah. And it's just looking at me like, what do you think you're doing? This is my turf. What are you doing up here? You know, so I'm just looking at the goat. It's looking at me, and it starts coming closer, and I kind of, I'm kind of backing away. It's coming closer. I'm backing away. It's coming quicker. So I just, I, I look at it, and I kind of do this, and I start running. I start running down the hill. The goat is chasing me at this point. It's mad. It doesn't like people, that's for sure. And it's chasing me. I'm running down the hill. I'm running. I'm running. And, and I, I keep running. And, and I had obviously outrun the goat because as I looked back, the goat was stationary. It was on the hill. But I was still moving. I was running like this, still looking back to see if the goat was chasing me. And all of a sudden, bam! I feel that I've broken through something. And it's kind of like that. I, I hear this buzz, and I feel this weird pulsing through me, and I fall down on the ground, and I turn around and look behind me. Oh, I've broken through a fence. Not just any fence, an electric fence. Yes, Chris Chesley, son of Ed Chesley, employee of Dr. Dan Anderson, broke through his freshly constructed electric fence. Tore through the whole thing. I mean, all the little strangers, you know, they're down. Yep, I got up and everybody's just like, what? What? really? I learned three very important things that day. Number one, goats are evil. Goats are evil. Number two, electric fences hurt because they're, well, electric. Number three, no good can come from running forward while still looking backward. No good can come from running forward while still looking backward. My friends, the same thing is true spiritually. Same thing is true spiritually. We will never get anywhere in our spiritual life and our walk with Christ if we're trying to go forward while still looking backward. It doesn't happen. And that, my friends, is why maybe if you're here today and you are discouraged in your faith, you're weary, you're tired, you just don't know what's left in the tank, maybe it's because you're still looking backward at your past rather than looking forward at the Savior who saved you from the past. Because you really can't move forward while looking backward. And it's hard. Oh, it's hard to keep going forward. I know. And the reason... The reason so much of the time it is so hard for us in the Christian life, the reason it's so hard to move forward is because of this thing called guilt. This thing called guilt. And it's a, it's a big weight that comes down on us. And, and it's guilt specifically related to our past sin. Guilt related to our past sin. And the sin that I'm talking about is usually related to Three major areas. This isn't all of it, but, but usually when, when, we, when we see the past 
and the past sinfulness of our, of our lives coming back up, it's usually tied to one of these three major areas of that. It's, it's personal choices, you know, sinful personal choices that we've made, mistakes we've made, compromises we've made, choices that are clearly sinful. We do that in a, you know, that's a personal thing. Or it's sinful treatment of others in, in our relationships, you know, it's how I treated someone or, or I was involved in an impure, sinful relationship. Or, or then it's, it's sinful handling of a situation or, or a sinful set of circumstances that you were part of. And sometimes those things just come back and it's like it haunts us, right? It just keeps coming back. And it's like you see the movie reel play in your head. And, and you just relive that sinful choice or that sinful relationship or that sinful situation, and it just keeps coming up. And it just cripples us. And it weighs us down, weighs us down, weighs us down. I want you to understand something about guilt. Please hear me on this. God does not hang guilt over our heads. God does not hang guilt over our heads. Now, he may very well use a guilty feeling after we have committed sin, after we have done something sinful, he may very well use guilt to lead us to repentance, to lead us to confess that sin to him, to to own up to it, to take responsibility, and to get it right, to say, God, I'm not going to try to hide from this. I'm not going to run from it. I messed up. I have sinned against you in this way. I admit it. I agree with you on what it is. Please forgive me. And so God might use guilt to get you to that point, but then that's it. He doesn't continue to use guilt after that, hanging it over your head, bringing it back up. That's not his way. There is someone who does that, though. There is someone who, who uses that tactic. That's the enemy. The enemy does absolutely use guilt. He hangs it over your head. He plays the movie over and over again. He's that voice that whispers in your head that says, kind of like Adam and Eve, Did God really say? Did God really say you were forgiven completely? Did God really say you're brand new? I mean, really? I mean, think about what you did. I mean, man, who does that? Think about all the people you hurt. Think about the relationships you you destroyed, the lives you destroyed. How can you really move on from that? I mean, can God really forgive you? And make you new and just let you go forward? Really? My friends, that is the voice of the enemy. That is not the voice of God. Because here's what God says. Here's what God says. Isaiah 118 says this. Come now. Let's settle this. You know, let's just deal with this. Let's get it all out in the open. Let's settle this once and for all, this debate, this worry about whether or not you're really forgiven. Let's Let's just settle it right now. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, and they are, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful? It's the promise of God. That's what God says to you about your past and about guilt and about your sin. It's not in your handout, but I do have it on here. Psalm 103.12 says this. I love this one too. He, God, has removed our sins 
as far from us as the east is from the west. You don't get any farther. Isn't that awesome? That's the promise of God for you, believer. If you're in Christ, this promise is your promise. That's what God says that he does with our sin and with our guilt. How? That's the question. Okay, that sounds great. You know, that's all good and well. How? How can I know that's true? How can I be assured of that promise? How can I know that's my reality? Well, it's because it's not tied to you or to me. It's tied to Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Look at what 1 Peter 2.24 says. He personally, speaking of Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, just like the baptism picture today. We saw that vividly demonstrated in the baptism. Dying to sin, made new and made alive in Christ. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. My friend, that's every one of us that are in Christ. He has healed us of our sin. He has healed us of the guilt and shame attached to those sins because the guilt and the shame that we carried with those sins was all put over on Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And with carrying the sin, he carried the shame and the guilt that goes with it. That's how this promise can be ours. That's how God is able to do this. He doesn't just sweep it under the rug. He doesn't just turn a blind eye. He acknowledges our sin. He dealt with our sin. With all of his wrath and all of his fury, justice was met, but it was met in Jesus so that we could get grace and mercy. Praise the Savior. That means this. That means this for us, because that was done. This is what we have at our constant disposal, constantly available to us. 1 John 1.9 says this, But if we confess our sins to him, that means not trying to hide it, not trying to justify it, calling it what it is, sin, messing up before God, agreeing with him on what our sin is, admitting it, owning up to it. If we do that, if we confess our sins to him, here's the great part, here's the beautiful part. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, don't you love and? Don't you love and when that comes along? It's like something is said and there's more. Forgive us our sin. He doesn't stop there. And to cleanse us from all wickedness. Isn't that fantastic? He doesn't just forgive us and say, it's okay. He says, hold on, let me clean you up from the mess you've made. Let me make you clean again. Let me make you whole again. Let me make you new again. Oh, friends, the voice of our God, the voice of our Savior says, you are always new because you're new in me. You're always able to be cleaned up because I made you clean by the shedding of my very blood. And nothing can blot that out. What that means is, church, we can say, all of us who are truly in Christ, we can, we can agree with the great song, It Is Well. And particularly, my favorite line of that song, written by Horatio Spafford, says this, My sin, my sin, my sin, not in part, but the whole, all of it, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. 
praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. That can be said and sung and clung to by each and every one of us, all because of what Jesus did. And this is how Paul is able to keep his focus on what is ahead. This is how Paul is able to forget the past, no matter how sordid and jaded it might be. He's able to forget it because he stands on this. He stands on grace. And his identity is wrapped up in Jesus and what Jesus did for him, not in him or what he used to do. Is that true of you today? Is that true of you today? Are you standing on that as well? See, knowing and believing this, knowing it and believing this should result in us being absolutely overwhelmed with amazement and gratitude. And it should also motivate us to reject sin as well as to motivate us to keep looking forward. Keep looking forward. Keep moving forward. Our Savior paid far too high a price for us to keep looking behind. He freed us. Scripture says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. That means free completely. Would you bow your heads with me? Close in prayer with me. Before I actually pray and before we end up with a closing song, I just want to say something a little bit direct and personal. And that is, you know, we've seen... A great display of, of grace today. We witnessed three individuals who stood up before all of you, many of whom are strangers to them, and declared to you what God has done in their life. They have said, I am trusting in Jesus Christ for my salvation. I'm depending on him alone, nothing else. And I want you all to know it. He has freed me. He has given me life. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's what they said by being baptized. Now we've heard a loving example of Paul saying, hey, I know how hard it is in this Christian life. I know how hard it is to keep moving forward. I know how it is to be affected and crippled by the past and by guilt. But we don't have to be that way. We don't have to stay that way. You've heard the better way. Looking forward, looking ahead to Jesus Christ and standing on all he's done for you. But all of that really comes down to a choice that you have to make. And that choice is that you are going to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He is going to be your Savior and your Lord, and he's going to own your life from this point on. You're going to live for him, not for yourself. And that's a choice that no one else can make for you. Now, if you make that choice, the promise is that you are a new person and you have the very Spirit of God in you fueling you and motivating you, keeping you going forward. But I just wonder, is there anyone here, anyone at all, who would say, I have not embraced that gift yet. I have not surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, but I want to. I want to know this Savior that these people know that I saw today. I want to know this Savior that Paul talked about. I want to know what it is to, to go forward and not be tied to my past anymore. I want to know Jesus. Is there anyone who would say, that's me? That's me. Anybody at all? Just let me know by raising up your hand. No one's going to embarrass you. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Anyone else? Anyone else? 
I would love to meet with you individuals who, who acknowledge that. I'd love to meet with you after the service. love to talk with you for a few minutes and pray with you. Uh, please give me that privilege before you leave. For you believers in Christ, you've already given your life to him. You know he's freed you from sin. But maybe, just maybe, you're still holding on to your past. Maybe this week's been a bad week. Maybe the enemy has brought up your past to you. Maybe he's playing that video over and over. Maybe today you just need to re-surrender your past to the Savior. Maybe you just need to allow him to, to renew your mind and heart. If there, is there anybody that would say, yeah, that's me. I am a believer, but man, I've been struggling with my guilt. I've been struggling with my past. Would you pray for me? Anyone? Amen. Thanks for your honesty. Amen. Thank you. All right, let's pray together. Father, you are so good. You are so full of mercy. And you are so full of grace. Thank you for not hanging our guilt or our past over our heads. Thank you for using it to bring us to yourself, but then letting that be done. And because of Jesus Christ and because of the price he paid, you see us as righteous and you see us as new in and through him. Thank you. Father, I pray for these individuals who said, I don't know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. He's not controlling my life. I've not committed myself to him, but I want to. I want him to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I want to walk in newness. I want to be freed from my past. Father, I pray that your spirit would awaken their heart to the reality of salvation found in Jesus alone. For those brothers and sisters of mine who said, yes, I am a Christian, I am following Christ, but this has been a rough time where where my guilt is just coming up and my past sins just keep plaguing me. I want to renew my mind. I want my heart to be renewed. I need God to remind me of all that I have in him and how much he loves me and how he is keeping me. Father, I pray that your spirit would encourage their hearts and their minds. If they need to reject any sin that they've, they've allowed back into their life, please convict them of that. Free them again. But if they just need that encouraging reminder that they are loved and they are kept by you, please give them that. Whatever is needed in their heart and their mind right now, I pray for them. And I thank you, God, for the way you love and the way you work and all that you call us to. Thank you for calling us all forward. And you give us the strength and the ability by your spirit to keep moving forward until you call us home in glory. And we can all say, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thank you for who you are and what you do. In Christ's name, amen.